You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. I am here with the whole crew, hopefully, when he comes back. Uh, with the me, rapture just happened. Yeah. Uh, I'm Frank Gill. Up in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Hello, hello. Uh, over in Sumter, South Carolina, on this old Mac computer, we got Delmar Pete. Hello there. Um, poolside in sunny Florida, we got Timothy Miller. It is 67 degrees, so I'm finally outside enjoying it again. It was a rough two days, guys. I couldn't get outside. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Andrew will be joining us. He is. I've, he updated his microphone and he disappeared. Oh, oh he's Andrew. Are you there? No the the internet and the church died. It was terrible. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, Andrew. Uh, uh, I'm back. Well, we're you're back. So hey. Um, how was y'all's week of ministry? Cold. It was very, very cold in Florida. Fortunately, it'll be back to the 80s this afternoon. I heard iguanas were falling out of trees. Iguanas were falling out of trees. That's like that's not funny. That's a real be- thing. Because people eat true. them, and so they see iguanas yeah. on the ground. They're like, oh, sweet, free yeah, iguana. Are you no, like not not in this part thing. of Florida, but like in Miami. Yeah. So yeah. this Have is you eaten uh, one. Yeah, they're okay. It's I've, you know. I've never had a guana before. This is, this is a foreign conversation for me. But so what happens, Dell, is people drive around and they see iguanas on the ground. And so they pick them up and they throw them in their car. But then once they're in the car, the car's a little bit warmer. The huh. iguana wakes up. Oh, gosh. And, they start, and so every, every year in South Florida, there are crazy accidents whenever it's cold okay. because of iguanas coming back to life in people's cars. Also, kidding? can I just say, Dell, that might be the most southern thing you've ever said. What That's I so say. foreign. That's so foreign. <laughs> it is foreign. <laughs> Hold on. So is it like I've had snake before? I'm assuming that's the same, it's kind of basically it's the same thing similar. with legs. Okay. It's yeah. the same. Snakes with legs. It's a reptile. You know, I've had I've had um there was a my senior pastor, like a lot of the uh oh executive executive team. He's <laughs> I guess Dell's looking up information about Ecuador. I'm Googling it. He's Googling it now. In Florida, the Flor- Flor- Floridians call it chicken of the trees. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> I think this is like okay, a, that's, a very, that's not my part of Florida. Yeah, this is like a South Florida thing. I don't. I've never yeah. had iguana before. I don't touch uh, the reptiles in Florida. But um, but I've had so my executive team was in Florida because in Orlando, Converge has their national conference this past week. Converge then, worldwide. You have Conver- to say it worldwide. Yeah, worldwide because of that movie. Um, then I had a friend, a couple of friends who were at Disney world and everyone who said this past week, they're like, it was a cold rainy week. It was so cold. <laughs> and I'm like, looking at the temperatures, like it was in the, maybe the low sixties. Well, I'm over here and it was like negative five, a couple of days with like seven inches of snow. So I get it. There's an actual blizzard in New York. I think that just happened. Uh, yeah. I get it. It was cold, but like the Midwesterners are, and the Northern Northeasters are just kind of like. All right, feel bad for the iguanas. So, anyways, how about how about what well, else? How, go ahead. If if I can tell another small animal story that happened last week, uh, we had so I'm in my I'm in a basement office. I hear what I swear is footsteps upstairs, but I didn't hear any doors open. So I'm like, what in the world? So I, f- I hear it once, and I'm like, ah, probably nothing. And then 
I, you know, because nothing else happened. Then I finally go upstairs and I go into our fellowship hall and and it ends up, long story short, there's a squirrel in a storage room. Oh. Like he got in, he got in somehow into the, it's like a steel building with a drop ceiling. So he was up in the drop ceiling and he fell through part of it into a storage room and was basically just going nuts trying to get out. So, of course, now I have to, you know, I have to steal myself get myself ready to battle the squirrel. So I shut all the doors <laughs> and I'm, I'm with a snow shovel, like trying to get this squirrel. I'm, there's like shelving in the corner of this room and there's only one doorway. So I have to like get into the room and like bang on the boxes to try to get him to come out. It took like four or five tries of him popping his head out me like running away and then him running back in the room. Finally, he jumped down into the fellowship hall I open the doors. He runs around. He get, he goes up inside our like, uh, you know those like table carts where you can put the like plastic folding tables. He goes up inside there. So I'm shaking the thing, and I wish I don't know what happened, but the camera that we have in the fellowship hall was down, which is you know the most disappointing thing because I'm sure it would have been hilarious to watch. But uh, finally got him out, and then I had to uh, sweep and mop the floor, and go through the vacuum cleaner in our storage room because I don't know if you've ever had a squirrel in your building. This is the second time for us. Uh, they poop everywhere. And so like the entire floor of the fellowship hall was covered with what essentially is like uh. mouse poop, like tiny little black droppings everywhere. The craziest thing was as I was cleaning out the room where the squirrel was on a shelf, there was a box of um, hot chocolate, like paper packets of hot mm. chocolate like a big box, like the Costco box. And it was almost all full. And all of the hot chocolate powder was gone. Like he had ripped open all the packages and eaten all the hot chocolate powder. So I don't know if he did that in that one setting or if he was in there for a long time, but that's a lot of powdered sugar and chocolate. Why do you think he was pooping so much? Dude, it was crazy. It was crazy. So those were coffee beans. You could resell them that way. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) My building, sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I hate it. I mean, I love that we have a building. There's a lot of great things about it. But then you just like, you know, I had my day all scheduled out. Everything was going well. I was productive. And I go upstairs and I got to deal with a squirrel for an hour that I didn't have. So uh, other than that, church was good. We actually had like a very young crowd on Sunday, which is kind of interesting. Like our mm-hmm. the average age in the room dropped by like 10 years on Sunday. We had a number of we had two or three guests that were younger. And then it was like. You know, some sometimes you get like a group of people that come one Sunday, but not another. And for whatever reason, this Sunday happened to be a bunch of people in their like 20s were there that and then the the people that were in their late 50s and 60s, a few of them were out. So it was like just a totally different vibe in the room. So hmm. service went well, had a couple new guests, um, you know, for a church that usually has 35 or 40 people, like two new people showing up is a big deal. So it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. We had a bit of a milestone this past weekend at Lakeview, our Lakeview Athletic Club, which is our, our flag football sports ministry we are running, uh, officially now has more registrations than we do average attenders on a Sunday. That's so it's just cool, kind man. of a weird wow. thing that um, this volunteer-led, one, one guy leading this entire ministry uh, is now leading a ministry bigger than the size of our church. And if you include the parents of those kids, you're talking three or four times the size of our Sunday morning. So it's just kind of this weird feeling of this is awesome. Can we sustain this? I 
we outgrew the fields that we rented. So now we're going to be utilizing Lakeview's fields as well. And we have four tower lights getting delivered tomorrow. So practically pastoring conference plug, we're going to have lights on our field. So if you guys want to play some, some, you know, football under the lights, we could probably make that happen now. Should we uh, set a number of like an over under number of how many ACLs are going to get blown out when guys start relieving their high school days? <laughs> oh, no, we absolutely need to do that. Yeah, I uh, purposely will not run very fast because I don't want to re break my knee. Um, right, purposely. I will it. claim that I am not running fast on purpose. Yeah, Frank purposely not running is like Andrew's internet going out. Got it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, um, uh, it's the old- second time it's happened today. I was, yeah. I'm playing a game of risk on my phone right now. Do you really think I would purposely First of all, I feel lose a game? Yeah, very disrespected. <laughs> um, so uh, I found a condom in my church parking lot this morning. So that's a part of pastoral ministry. They didn't prepare me in Baba College, Trinity College of well, Florida. And let's be clear, not in a package. No, it was like, open and out in the wild. Yeah, out in yeah. the wild. So the, the picture was unnecessary, Frank. Apple blurred it out because it was like you know content that shouldn't be seen in a text message. Did you did do you your due it? diligence to blame the student ministry? No, did you kick it to see you. if it? Did you kick it to see if it was frozen? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I'm actually figuring, I'm, I'm, I, like I haven't actually. So when I, I sent the picture to you guys, of this is the inner workings of our group chat, guys. This is what this is what happens when you go to the conference and you make friends with pastors. You send each other pictures of used condoms in your church parking lot. Um, I've been thinking all day, how am I going to throw it away? Because I obviously don't want to touch it, and I don't know if our church has one of those like uh, claw like trash picker upper things. So I've been just get a stick, bro. I know. I, I there's plenty of sticks. There's a wood line behind us. I just ha- I was gonna do it on my way out. What's you know, next is- time they ask you to guest speak at Trinity College, you will have a, a how to strategy for this to tell them something they did not learn in you yeah. know, traditional. Yeah. Edu- yeah. Bro, you know, go to the church kitchen, get yourself a plastic fork. Problem solved. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. Um, you know what's funny though is what I haven't told you guys is. I- you guys may not. You guys may know this, but you don't remember this. There was a preschool that meets in our building, <laughs> and so they're like, they've like walked by this condom probably all day this day, and they don't even know about it because. Oh my gosh! Um, I you didn't know, get it cleaned up immediately, Frank. It's not right by the entrance of the preschool, so they, there's a chance they, they definitely drove by. It was it. close enough for you to take a picture of it. You didn't want to, you know, maybe just. Guys, it's been a stressful get a morning. Stick. It's been a stressful morning. Um, so, anyways. We, 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 we not for somebody, somebody had a de-stressful morning. Wow. All right. This is not necessary. uh, This is a a family podcast, Andrew. Um, so we, uh, what, what? (laughs) we, uh, have been talking about Trinity college of Florida. That's because we just got a phone call. Me, Andrew and Jeff got a phone call with Trinity college because we were talking to their, uh, pastoral methods class about the practically shout out to whoever that was that said they listen. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, if you're listening to this, I, out. I don't think I caught your name, but uh, thanks for listening. And we hope to see you at the conference. And we hope that you will be at the conference. Listen, today is January 31st. So you're probably listening to this either this evening or maybe as early as February 1st. But uh, the 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 pot the the conference price is is locked in. Like we're we're not going to go any higher, but we are going to be closing the registration because we got. We got swag to get. We got stuff to purchase, and uh, and we need to do it soon. So if you still haven't gotten your ticket and you're still on the fence about the Practically Pastor Conference, 
you got to sprint, but watch your ACL, but sprint to the Predly Pastoring Conference website and register for the conference. We are so excited. It's February 21st to the 23rd. We are, guys, we are like 22 days away, right? I mean, we are very, very close to the conference. Um, if anything, we're going to be very, very close to being able to see all five of us in person, which that has never happened. Um, all five of us being in the same space at one time. I, I cannot, I cannot wait. So anyways, with that being said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And, uh, and when we get back, we're going to talk about our clergy cliff note. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back, and our clergy cliff note is over on the Gospel Coalition. We got Trevor Wax uh, writing a, I would actually say, kind of um, waxing hot, eloquent. Yeah, kind of a hot take here. He believes it is wrong. Ironic. Yeah, it's he believes it's wrong for us to be sharing gotcha sermon clips. Um, he thinks that they are bad for the church, and we say this as people who just talked about the sermon clip of Michael Todd spitting in his hand and rubbing it in someone's face. We've also shared many sermon clips, whether it was from uh, our buddy over at the Ark Encounter that, that, that talked about how, uh, what <laughs> was it? The sloths point to the reality of Christ. We've talked about, uh, we've, we've, we've shared lots of, of clips here of pastors either fumbling in sermon illustrations or saying. Do you remember the OG it. one about the guy who was going to go pitch the tents, yeah, that yes, to I me did. is the the OG one. Oh, and we, I got it right. We, we I got remember. It right. We yeah. all remember. Yeah. Oh, we remember. Pre YouTube. Yeah, it is. I know in the Facebook group I'm in, there's like there's like a lot of people who know that pastor, and they're is like, he still a pastor? I th- I don't think he's in youth ministry, but I think he's still a pastor. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and he and they talk about how mortified he was, but like, you know, it is what it is. Every, I mean. Trevin does make a comment in this article that makes sense. He's like, I feel bad for younger pastors who are in their 20s who have this fear, this weight of a potential misstep or a bad analogy staying with them forever as a scary sermon clip. And, and to yeah. the extent that I can agree with this is that like, um, I bet all of us, if we were to take our sermons, someone could probably – clip out something that was either heretical or inappropriate or a bad illustration or whatever. And, and it could be pretty, it could be pretty not tragic, but pretty embarrassing at least. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I was talking to you all before we recorded. And I'm like, I feel like sometimes these, these sermon clips are actually useful. I, I know his concern. His concern is that like, we're just spiraling into an echo chamber of, Hey, look at this pastor being woke. Or look at this pastor being a Christian nationalist. But but at some point, like some things do need to be brought to light. Like case in point, we talked about this offline. There's a pastor that, sh- that said that if your kid has autism, it's demon possession or something like that. Or it's, it's demonic or something. Like that should be booed. <laughs> like that's crazy talk, right? Like yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of like mixed on this because I totally understand, hey, if it happens to you, it's not going to be great. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, man. If you're saying something whack and you're also a giant public figure, like 
you you can't be above critique if you're putting your content out there. And if it is, and if, if it's worthy of critique, it, it needs to be critiqued. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of a bad place. What do you guys think? I was going to say, it's a blog post. So to be like, hey, when you're sharing that, it's just to get clicks. And I'm saying this on a blog post that exists just to get clicks. This is not a scholarly article written. This is not a researched opinion. This what are you talking a, about? This is the Gospel Coalition. <laughs> this is a blog post written specifically <laughs> to get clicks they're for the, the advertisers. They're the Coalition of the Gospel. No other and I don't, organization I don't, has the Gospel. I'm just kidding. Right, I don't right. question whether or not that is a deep-filled personal position, but it's not a researched position. It's not, it is not something that has been fleshed out in you know, the council of other pastors. It is a, hey, I've been thinking. And sometimes when I get to, hey, I've been thinking, stuff comes out that six months from now, I don't agree with when I've been thinking again. All right, let me hit the devil's advocate, okay? Uh, first of all, I'll go ahead and show my hand, full disclosure. I like sermon clips. That's why I follow Frank Hill. Um, so, but devil's advocate i haven't posted a sermon clip in months i know i was just trying I to yeah, I, i'm, I'm pre- i've preached two weeks in a row you've seen nothing you've seen nothing from me i know so just let it be known i right. only i only burn you because i'm jealous of you okay let's just go there all right but seriously i do think that uh there's a i personally could see how there's a place for them but i think we have to be cautious just in general, because what's the worst thing we do with scripture? We take it out of context, right? How easy is that to do with a sermon clip? I, I know this is this goes back to the age old. Do you remember when Apple first started selling their music on iTunes and how like artists got mm-hmm. furious? Because when an artist used to make an album, how did they think about the album as this one piece of work? Like they would take time and say, this track goes here and it goes here. And if you listen to some of the older stuff, like, you know, like those tracks, even like the strings would flow into the next song yeah. sometimes. And that's really important. And then when you started slicing, hacking it up and selling it on Apple for a dollar piece, people got upset. And you know what? I get it because that's art. And, you know, as objective as I like to be about sermon writing a sermon, you want to have objective truth, but there is still a s- amount of subjectivity in that it's coming from a place inside of me. Right. So like there is a level of this, this can, this is art. It's art. It's science. It is, you know, uh, like it's a lot of things in one. I mean, it's, that's homiletics. Right. So I do think that there is, can be issue when we take someone else's sermons and slice them up to get something we want out there. Now, if I want to take my own sermon and slice it up, right? To me, that's a little different because I wrote the sermon. Um, But I can see how like that can be taken wrong where we're just taking guys out of context or just taking their worst moments and throwing them out there. And I think that's a valid concern. Not to say that I sign off on everything this guy wrote, but I do think there's, there's some legitimacy in it. Yeah, I think there's a heart issue behind it, too. Like, why are you sharing the clip? Is it a genuine concern of, hey, I, I heard this. I'm, I'm looking for some feedback. Like, in our Practically Pastoring Facebook group, I, I'm, I'm all for it, man. Share share the clip. Let's talk about it. Let's get the full context in. But if you're sharing it in order for you to, you know, to get the glory of, ha, look what this guy said. I've just totally busted him. It's like, okay, yeah. 
But I mean, as a, a preacher, someone who communicates weekly and also someone whose stuff is on YouTube, I mean, we're, we kind of live in that world, right? What, what are we going to do? I, <laughs> we can say, hey, don't do that. But I mean, we've all kind of accepted that this is the world that we live in. And the bigger the platform, the more likely it is that that's going to happen. So I don't know if I'm going to slap do, guys' hands for doing it, but yeah. I do think one of the things that we as preachers need to be cognizant of is we do live in that world, like you said, Tim. So like, how easy is it for us to get into, yo, I'm going to write this part of my sermon. It's going to be such that I want to clip it out. And we're writing our sermons with the the clickbait in mind and not like the content in mind. And I think like the content should always win over the clickbait. Yesterday, I was landing the plane, and I don't know if if you guys are like me. We discussed a couple weeks ago manuscript versus notes or whatever. But I, I'm a manuscripter. But at the end of my manuscript, I seem to always go for another two or three minutes at the end of the sermon. Maybe by the yeah. time I'm I'm done writing, I just didn't write an ending that I'm truly happy with or something. Because most Sundays, I feel like I am re-landing the plane after I've already done so in my manuscript. And I said something, I don't even remember what it was yesterday, but I remember specifically thinking as I was like closing my Bible and starting to pray, oof, this is when my manuscript should have been better because that one sentence out of context might not make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And so often the clips that we're sharing is the thing, you know, is the one moment or are the moments that really need the context. That's what you were just saying, Dell. But I've, being that I was there yesterday, my thought was, Ooh, I hope nobody clips this one 30 second end cap of the sermon. Yeah. I mean, I agree with like what Tim said. I, I definitely, I think it's a hard issue. And I think what's ironic is like the title of this article is like the very thing he's talking about not doing. Cause he could have said, gotcha sermon clips <laughs> might be bad for the church. If your heart is not in it. Now, maybe he didn't write the title. That's very common. Like you don't write the title. The editor writes it to get clicks. But like to just flat out say doing this is bad for the church. Is it interesting? You know, it's sort of clickbaity. And but I would on the other side of that say I do find myself more leaning towards kind of agreeing with his premise than not agreeing with it in that I do think like I'm suspicious of sort of somebody's motivation to try to share a terrible sermon clip. Like I, my suspicion is. One, are you trying to? It, I, I do think there's a, an element of like, like an like your negative clout stealing almost, where you're like, I'm going to post this famous person in a bad light, which is actually going to get me a little bit of, you know, it's going to get me a little bit of good good clicks, and maybe he's going to get me out there a little bit more. And I'm going to play the, I'm going to cloak it in, you know, this religious shepherding language. Well, I'm just doing this to watch out, and you know, honestly, as pastors, like. I don't have any obligation to watch out for just the internet. I have an obligation to shepherd my flock. So if I really am concerned, I mean, I can literally just text it to people or send an email to my church. I don't have to share it on my social media that just kind of goes out there. And then that has the possibility of going viral. And so, I mean, for me, I guess I, I, I kind of, and maybe this is a flaw in my own personality, but I, I begin with like a, sort of pessimistic, negative, like suspicious view when I see people sharing like really bad sermon clips with no context. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like when American Idol would show the really bad additions Yeah, to, to be like, Hey, look how bad this guy was when he auditioned. So now that we've shown you how bad it can be, you can trust us that we're going to pick somebody good. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of concept. 
Have you guys ever had somebody share an awesome sermon clip with you and then you watched it and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I communicate to them? This is yeah. not an awesome sermon clip. This is yeah. heresy. Well, <laughs> never, never. I've had that happen. Never heresy, but maybe like uh, watered down. Like it's not yeah. as impressive as it really is. I do. I've I had, will say that Jeff said something that made me think about this. When I'm on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and I see uh, like a meme account or an anonymous account share something that's like, you know, it's whatever. I'm kind of like, I, I have no feeling towards it. I just look at it as like, this is content on the internet and I watch it and I don't feel any type of way. But when I when it's someone I know or even someone I just know because they're internet friends, I do feel like a little weird, like what, what's their aim in sharing this, right? And that's I, – I, so when Jeff says that, made me think about like when when – I'll give you the example. Like Michael Todd, for example, because we shared that clip last week, right? Yeah. Like I, there's a couple of meme accounts, like like Christian meme accounts that were making jokes about it. And to me, like that was funny because there's like a cultural thing. And even Michael Todd shared that was not funny. But then there's like people who I know personally who are like kind of – you said like kind of riding the clout train or whatever – who are just slamming this guy to the point where a bad sermon illustration, and they're saying stuff like, "He's a wolf in sheep's clothing, and he's the de- he's the de- the destruction of the church." It's like, bro, he did a youth group <laughs> illustration very poorly, and it went bad. Like, he's not the antichrist, right? And so, like, I think that you're 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 onto something in the sense that, like, I do get weirded out when I see pastors or people I know share clips like that. And and maybe and like I'm I'm a hundred percent saying I've probably done that before, and I'm thinking to myself like, when was the last time I shared a clip of someone that like was just a punch down, as opposed to like whatever? Like I don't I don't know. D- no, you're gonna say something. I think it's important to consider that though. I mean, when all that stuff went down the other day, I, I texted you, Frank, and I was like, because I'm I'm friends with some of these larger meme accounts, and I was just like, ah, I think I need to leave this one alone because I was tempted to like. I not post it on my own, but post it on a meme account. And I was like, nah, I think that I'm probably leaving that alone. You know, the first thing that came to my mind was I know when I was in student ministry, some stinkers that I put out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know. And I was like, thank God they didn't have their iPhones out recording me in a few of these. So um, I do think that low level discernment and, and what you just said, man, I'm going to tuck that. Like when you put a sermon out there, are you punching up or punching down? Yeah. And if you're punching down, you probably need to and check notice that. that like, and, and I was going to say know. one more thing is like, notice when people share stuff like this, like when they share like the negative ones. Because you're right, like very, I do see people share like great sermon clips or good stuff they like. It's I think it's way more rare than the negative ones or whatever. But it's it's often like a like a, a circle of people that they know that their peers are not going to like, but like. If I were to show you a sermon clip of a guy that you support or someone that you like that gave a poor illustration or said something whack, we try to rationalize that out or actually show them the grace that we should probably be showing other people, right? And it's like, because uh, I mean, you know, if the reform crowd is, you know, crapping on Michael Todd, I can show you some garbage that like Piper has said or like Sproul has said, you know, like <laughs> there's some stuff that they've said that's not good. Or inconsistent. Um, I mean, case in point, 
if you go to the, like, I love Matt Chandler. And if you go to the Village Church website, they don't have any sermons prior to like 2006. And they've openly said, Matt has requested to take down every sermon prior to 2006 because he doesn't even believe half the stuff. I don't know if this is like how he would word it, but like he doesn't agree with some of the stuff he used to preach about before 2006. And obviously, well, I remember like, reading and yeah. it was, it was about like his tone. Like oh. he was, it was, it was like, we took this down because it was immaturely said. Wow. Now I've heard a lot of those sermons and I loved them back, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. but I just think it's like, again, it's like, it's, it's that hard issue of like, why? And I would say too, you know, to, you said, the, you said Piper's name and it made me just think of like, don't waste your life. And I do think a lot of us waste a lot of time, you know, posting stuff like this and reading the comments and getting, and you, and you're like, you're practicing outrage and being discipled by that instead of wow. maybe, maybe you need to abstain from that. Like, you know, maybe you need to crucify that part of yourself and not want to get involved in every skirmish on the internet that's said by every bad person mm-hmm. or, you know, the, every bad thing that every preacher that you don't like says. Andrew? I think that part of this is just a symptom of the the age that we're living in. If yes, you, absolutely. If you feel like when you are preaching, you have to have that illustration that nobody has ever had before because everyone's going to scour the internet. And if your illustration is any good, they're going to say, well, Andy Stanley said that first or Billy Graham said that first or whoever said that first, you are way more likely to say something silly or stupid or borderline heretical because you are trying so hard to say something that no one has ever said before because everybody in your church has access to everything everybody has ever said before. If we were preaching 20, 25 years ago, nobody in your church would know any of the names of the other pastors who are leading in 10, 12, 15 towns over. So it wouldn't matter. And then at, at the same time, everybody is in such a hurry to get to be the first one to say gotcha so that they can be the first one to call them out that everybody is quick to say gotcha. We've talked about Piper multiple times in this conversation. His most liked tweet ever is farewell Rob Bell. Uh-oh. His most liked tweet ever is not anything about something he has written. It's not about Hey, here is wow. this great thing that I have, you know, this not this great thing about grace or the love of God. The most liked tweet he has ever had was a zinger at Rob Bell. And again, I was the one who led off the conversation by saying this whole blog is exists for the sake of clicks. But when you're preaching for clicks, when you're commenting on preachers for clicks, this is the circle that we're going to live in. Maybe we should focus on preaching for our people in our context to who God has called us to and not worry about the wider internet has to say about a sermon that is supposed to be for a local church in a local context. Is is Andrew preaching right now? I mean, his preaching voice came out. I was I mean, chat room I heard my hands. <laughs> I got saved again, dude. <laughs> I'm getting an organ out right now. Uh, I mean, and, it, and, it, w- it will not happen again. I'll go back to playing games on my phone. And, and to Andrew's point, I would say I, as much as someone who like loves and respects John Piper, I would say that was a bad call on that tweet. Like, I I don't think that, like, it wasn't necessary, nor edifying, nor beneficial. And dare I say, it's not Ephesians, it's not Ephesians 5, where, like, unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth um, that's only uplifting and that brings grace to the hearer. Like, I don't know if that's what that is. And, again, someone could say something like, oh, he's protecting the pulpit. But, Jeff, like you said, like, do, do we have an obligation to protect other pulpits. Well, like, and first of all, I don't have any authority to pre- protect or do anything about anybody else's authority. We are, uh, frankly, we're Protestant. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we don't have an ecclesiastical body like that, that, like, I have some obligation to, 
And that's what's interesting to me about this. It's like, you know, when I think of examples of the gotcha clips, I mean, the one that comes to mind immediately that I would feel like, come on, you can do better than that, is when somebody from a more, uh, well, somebody shares something that a complementarian said that they're painting as misogynistic. And I know with context, that's not really what that is. But it's easy for me then to see somebody like a Michael Todd who's, you know, I don't know where, where he is in complementarianism, but might get painted as a prosperity preacher and see a clip from him. And I can easily be like, see, that's proof that all prosperity preachers are bad. Confirmation right. bias. And so when it goes the other way, it's like, like you said, Dell, we'll nuance, we'll, oh, well, you need context. But when it happens the wrong way, you know, it's a zero sum game and it's just, it's not good for us. It's not good for our souls. It's not good for our people either. You know, the most humbling thing that's happened to me in the last month or so, as I finally started on Facebook, clicking that thing that says this day, one year ago, two years ago, and reading the stuff I wrote in 2010, I'm like, Dale, you just put it all, stop it, stop. Like if you want to be humbled, just click that tab in the morning on the way to work and just look at your own self from 10 years ago. Because what, Frank, you just said, there's been times when I did it. I think <coughs> I dropped, I think I just may have seen the one the other day I shared where Perry talked about, Perry Noble, he rewrote the Ten Commandments. Remember that whole thing? And then it was the Ten Promises. And I was like, what What you guys said, where was my head then, you know? So it's it's definitely something that we should be cognizant of, not just what we're doing, but the why we're doing it. I'm really thankful for Instagram stories because they delete after 24 hours. So when I go to my Instagram feed, I'm like, wow, look how wholesome that is. But every now and then I'll venture into my archive and I'll be like, wow, I shared that preachers and sneakers again. What was I hoping to accomplish when I shared that? Yeah. yeah. Tim was mm. trashing everybody in his Instagram stories. I love it. Uh, so- I just want you guys to know that four years ago today, uh, the morning after ministry show, got a box of mail, which was these microphones that I'm talking into right now and uh, a webcam. So that was, that's kind of cool. That's a fun Facebook wow. memory. Thanks Dale. All right. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Trevin cool. that we are actually agreeing with you at the end of this podcast that we, we, saw, we actually <laughs> well, I, I started agreeing and supporting this article, <laughs> but Hey, you can read that article. It's in the show notes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to actually talk about, uh, another kind of uh, article that's been kind of coming around in the news that um, is it's kind of scary, but it's also kind of a sign of our time. So we'll be right back. So imagine... Uh, you're at church and you go to your pastor for prayer and you uh, ask for, um, you, you are like drowning in debt and you have all these loans or whatever, and you're asking for prayer from your pastor to to just asking the Lord for, for help monetarily, that the Lord will provide, all that kind of stuff. Maybe the Lord will provide a second job or whatever. And then the next day you get an ad for loan consolidation. Would that freak you out? Well, that's kind of what's happening right now. So there's an article, I think it broke from BuzzFeed News, which I've never thought I would use as like the source of a article. But um, 
uh, Prey.com, which have you guys ever used or heard of Prey.com? I did right when we right when it first came out. I got in on the beta, and I immediately, like two weeks later, deleted it because it was clunky and there was too many ads. Wow! But but the commercials are so good. I watch a lot of HGTV, and oh. they're a big advertiser to the. Uh, yeah. I have time to watch somebody else decorate a house group. <laughs> and, well, I think uh, when we delete, when great. I deleted it, I also because we use Planning Center, Planning Center groups came out. And there was a simple way to create a group that was like a prayer group. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, why am I going to have another app when I could just use Planning Center? Yeah. So we switched. So there's this app called Pray.com. And, and this article is, I mean, pretty fascinating uh, because... Should be spelled P-R-E-Y. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you Sick did there. burn. <laughs> wow. Uh, there is... Synonyms, uh, y'all. Oh, no. Not synonyms. Hang on. Rhyming? No. What's the... You know, still derailed Frank. So yeah, Homo- we go. homophones, yo. Homophones. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So this article talks about how um, there's a website called pray.com and it uses it, it's, it's a platform so that you can send prayer requests for people to pray for you. And if I'm not mistaken, it's also like gives you guided prayers. Right. And like it helps you like kind of pray for things and through things. And it's it's. I, I think it became a symptom of um, of, of uh, uh, COVID in the sense that, like, because churches were closing, perhaps people had less access to their faith communities, and therefore they were going to websites like Pray.com for prayer. But BuzzFeed News broke that in their policy, in their terms of service agreement, that Pray.com is m- using, like, data mining organizations to sell the data that you give them to advertisers. And uh, and my first thought, and this goes back to that website, uh, that that Netflix uh, show movie, which I think is called is it called like social social media or what I forgot. It's the it's the one where it talked about how like even Twitter and Facebook, like the people are not letting their kids use social media because of how bad it is. You guys know what I'm talking about? The movie I'm talking about, the documentary. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the I social think, network with uh, Andrew Garfield? No, stop. No. The social dilemma, right? The social yes. dilemma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got yes. it, Timmy. Yeah. And and one thing I thought after I saw that movie, it's the same thing I think about this article, is as a as a consumer, as a user of social media, this terrifies me. Like it makes me want to get rid of all my social networks and move to a cabin in the woods, right? As a person that makes, creates content, like my thought was if I'm an advertiser – I don't want to go anywhere else but social media because it's so targeted and you get so much information. So imagine if there was a place where you can write your deepest needs and concerns and, and prayer requests and you had access to that information and you could sell directly to that need. As a, cons- as a person that needs prayer, this is horrifying. As a person that is mm. – if I was a business person and there are tons of investors apparently, venture capitalists – they see this as a place to literally prey on people. There was a quote here. This is venture capitalist, put it bluntly. The pray.com is a holy trinity in a place where there's isolated people hungry for attachment, religious des- the, re- the religions desperate for growth in the online world, and technology investors searching for the consumer niches that are, that are, in this, that are being digitized. And so there's this like venture capitalists see this as a gold mine. Guys. What do you think about this? This is terrifying and crazy. That's what I think. It's terrifying and crazy. And I think we're going to see the resurgence of the unspoken prayer. 
People are just going to write unspoken in prayer.com and then no one will know. I see that hand. That's right. <laughs> that was the worst back in youth group days. That one girl would say unspoken and then you're like, well, everyone else is going to say unspoken now. That's it. Yeah, I think it's crazy. Like, I would just would have, I, I feel blindsided by it because I just was like, oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. But then you realize, well, that's why pray.com was free. Um, you know, that's, and it, and it yeah. just takes you back to that idea that like, you're not, you're the product on, on these sites and they're, you know, they're made to, um, to do this. And so it's just like, it's crazy that like, if you thought there was any semblance of like ethics of like, ah, maybe we shouldn't sell the m- data from a prayer app from religious people. There's not. So I just think it's one more well, it's one I, more area where like as a pastor you really have to think about protecting your church and asking those questions. I mean, Frank and I uh after somebody shared that we're like, oh, "Oh man, I hope planning center doesn't sell our data." And I was like, "I'm panicking right now." Which I don't think they I think they're, be they're I, No, because like, we pay for it. And it's also um yeah. super encrypted. Yeah. Right. I feel bad that people think well, they have to say- they have to go to pray.com. Like can you not go to your local church body and and find like your, your small group a, a prayer ministry like wh- what are you guys doing? Well, to, I think this is people that are not connected requests. to a church. Yeah. That that's what you I know, think. You know, and I, and I think this is probably one of the this is one of the this is sort sort of the the emptiness of secularism really kind of beginning to reel its head, you know. It's like we're realizing that we when, when something happens like this, you know, we have a need, we have, you know, a, a something and we don't know what to do with it. We'll go anywhere to find some answer. And then it's like, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing waiting for us to mine our data, which is it's wild. But yeah, I, th- I think to no. me, that's where the big concern is. It, I would be concerned with two crowds. Number one is the like the crowd of people who are just thoughtlessly on social media and just think. In the you know they don't even think about it, which I would put myself in that category. And then people who are like have no church background and see pray dot com as a way to sort of be spiritual but not religious. I don't want to be involved in a, in an organized institutional religious organization, but um, you know I, I have this need I have and I want to find a community online, and so they go for it and they don't realize that this is happening. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm on their website now and they roll it out as this like this multi-tier service where you get prayers, learn the Bible, pray radio. So it doesn't just pitch itself as, oh, come here so we can pray for you. It's 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 actually pitched itself as let me sanctify you. If you participate right. in this app, you will so so I don't think it's for it seems to lean more towards people who are genuinely trying to experience the Christian life. So back to Tim's point like why don't we have when prayer? i signed up as a yeah. pastor i started getting tons of email about put your sermons on pray.com become well known it was like this whole thing and that was the first chink the well, first chink a- in the armor of like ah this is i don't like this yeah well here's a question i have okay so if someone comes to you and says i need prayer why i'm thinking about killing myself really yeah this thursday at noon with a shotgun we know what to do right like pastors like you've been protocoled they don't leave your site you call nine one one, right? So just prayer, just pray dot com. I just wonder how, like, yeah. obviously it seems not ethical that they're already data mining your stuff out. But what if I drop something serious out there like that? Like, are they going to be proactive toward that? 
Or are they just going to like send my spouse funeral home ads the next two months? You know, Dang. like, I don't know. Because, but I mean, I just wonder like how this is where we have to be so careful with, with our personal information. And this is another, I mean, this is like a soapbox, but like how accustomed have we become to just not having privacy anymore? That it's just even building into our religious apps. I think this is just how much do we need the church? Uh, you know, yeah. so the the Joy FM, the local, you know, soccer mom Christian radio station here in Tampa Bay, every single day, if you're listening, they have their advertisement for, hey, join our prayer ministry. If you need prayer, call this number. If you want to be a prayer, you know, it takes an hour of training and then an hour a week that you volunteer to pray for people. And it's the same thing. If you get the the funky prayer request, okay, shouldn't that be going to a deacon or an elder or someone who knows you and has a relationship with you that can do something about it as opposed to here's this anonymous voice in the rate on the radio. So this is, this is a symptom of a much bigger issue than just the data mining with these apps. I, I do think there, there probably is, there probably is going to be a, percentage of people that are going to react against this that are going to start to i mean i know two visitors in the last six months or so have told me verbally i'm looking for a church where i can be i can really know people and i don't want to do i don't want to do the live stream i don't want to do online and they were younger they were like younger than me so i do think there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to react against you know this stuff not out of like a uh, you know, crotchety old person. I don't, I hate technology, but out of like, I've seen, you know, I've kind of gotten to the end of this and it it's not the same thing. So I think that's maybe, you know, a silver lining, but I just think, it, like you said, Frank, this is crazy and terrifying. I mean, the, the article itself says uh, they, they interviewed a Presbyterian pastor who said um, the, the church as we know it will be gone in 20 years. And I'm like, well, that's a terrible take, um, uh, mainly because if the church can withstand Rome, or unless he means revival, and I'm yeah, good with it, like but if the church can withstand like all, I mean, I, I think that like there is going to be a huge shift in the church as technology increases and grows. But like I think what you just said is true. It's like there's something like innate in all of us for community, and I don't know if, and and again, like I. Maybe I'll be eating my words in like 20 years, but like I do feel like a true 100% digital community is not going to be able to satisfy those innate desires for community that like God has instilled in all of us, you know? Um, hey, you say that, but did you see that Life Church had to open a second room for their meta church yesterday? They're, they're, well, okay, they're a mega, they're a mega starters, church with a meta church. Hold up, but that's in the app big screen, and you can only have fifteen people in a room. Okay, so let's keep that. Yeah, I, I mean they're they're up to thirty. There, there's a there's a, a uh-huh. bit of novelty right now with the metaverse still. So I would I wouldn't put too many eggs in those baskets quite yet. Remember when there was novelty on Zoom meetings, <laughs> and then it crashed like two weeks later. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but I do have two <laughs> questions that um, that come from this article that I want to ask you guys. One, um, 
tell me about the nature of your prayer ministries. Like, do you guys have a prayer, like a dedicated prayer ministry, like where you have a, a maybe a person leading it, like any kind of process for it? Because um, obviously, there's a need for prayer, and I I hope that churches aren't like haphazardly just thinking we're Christians, we pray, done, but that they have some sort of thoughtful prayer ministry. What does that look like in your church? Corporately, we do a thing where every month we have like a little uh, cardstock three to a sheet. So what's that like three and a half by eight and a half inches? That is here is who we as a church are praying for this month. And so there's a couple different families in our church and then a ministry partner of our church. And we do that to have the aim so that everybody in the church is praying together for along the same lines. If there's a specific request, that is a different thing. But just in general, there are a few families in our church every month that the whole church is praying for and at least a ministry partner that we're praying for. And then we have a prayer team that's kind of like a prayer hotline. Hey, if you need prayer, let this person know. And then they get it out to the other people on the church that are on the prayer line. And then um, we have on Wednesday mornings, a kind of like a guided prayer time that a group of it's, it's open to everybody, but most of the people that show up are retired age, retirement age ladies that come. It's like a guided prayer through a passage of scripture. Yeah, we, um, as far as corporate prayer, we, well, right now we're doing uh, 8 a.m. prayer on Wednesday every week because our denomination is doing a 40 days of prayer thing. So we've been doing that. Um, for a while we were doing, uh, once a month, we were doing a 9.30 on Sunday morning prayer time before the service. And that actually went really well, but you know, when COVID happened, that kind of died along with a lot of other things. But um, so right now, corporate prayer looks like uh, in our service, and uh, this is one area where, like, I will say on the live stream, "Hey, if you're on the live stream, it's going to get quiet for a couple minutes, but we're okay with that. Quiet is good for you." And uh, we purposely have like a mic in the room that picks up the sound of the room, and uh, we do. Frank will know, remember from college, what we do bidding prayers almost every week which is basically where I will prompt the congregation to pray for something aloud, either between a couple songs or in what we'll usually do that for about five minutes. Um, I would encourage you, if you haven't done corporate prayer like this before, build it slowly because five minutes is going to feel like forever if you haven't prayed like this before. So start with a minute, start with a couple minutes, and then build up from there. And then as far as like a prayer line or a prayer team, um, we have a lady in our church who is just really good at texting and like networking. So she kind of informs me a lot of things. Um, and like I said, I'm in a smaller church. Almost everybody has my cell phone number. Nobody's ever misused it. They can just call me or text me and I get the word out. And then we, we use the, um, the, what is it? The church, what's the planning center church app, church, church center. center. We use, yeah. Yeah. We use the church center app. And in that you can, there's groups that you, you can use the group function. And I set up a open prayer group that anybody can join. And it's, what's great about it is you get push notifications and there's like comments, people can update things. So it's a little bit like a social media feed, but just for prayer in that open group. And then um, there's also like uh, things that I pray with the elders about. So I have a standing Thursday morning meeting with my two elders um, and you know, it doesn't happen every week cause sometimes people are working and stuff, but what we try to do is go through and pray for specific people. And then the last thing is, uh, we will send out like a, I send out like a weekly email and in that email, there is a link to our denominations, like prayer 
list, which has all the prayer prayer stuff from all the different regions of the world. So we try to have like a global focus, a neighborhood focus. Um, and so there's there's a lot of different creative ways to kind of keep prayer in front of your people. Yeah, kind no, of. This is re- this is really solid. We uh, we also take prayer very seriously at Lakeview, as sounds like all of our churches do. Uh, we have a prayer coordinator who oversees all the incoming prayer requests. Uh, she has a team under her who then you know we get the prayer requests out and whether or not they're confidential or they're open, they let us know. And and then she then follows up with that prayer request uh, for corporate prayer. We have our men's prayer breakfast once a month. We have our ladies prayer gathering called Lydia's prayer table. That's the second Saturday of every month. Our elders have a pizza and prayer once a month. That's uh, one of my favorite meetings of the month because we have a business meeting once a month. And then the two weeks later we have our prayer meeting. So we, we gather for two hours once a month where we just pray over our core ministries. We pray over each of our staff and their family members by name. And we pray over all of our missionaries by name and any prayer requests that they have submitted to us. And this past Sunday, we started something new. Uh, our gal who heads up the prayer ministry said, Hey, do you mind if I print out prayer request cards and put them on every chair uh, on Sunday morning? from here on out. And I was like, yeah, that's great. So she's now collecting handwritten prayer requests from people and then following up with them and spending time praying and getting them out to the that's prayer team as well. Yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. 100% going to steal pizza and prayer. That's a great idea. You, I say it a lot because I want every pastor to steal it. I, I think it is the secret sauce to Lakeview right now because of how seriously we're taking prayer. Wow, that's good. Um, we uh we have uh, prayer teams at each of our campuses, with a, with and I think we're trying to get a person to lead at every campus. After every service, we have uh, we try to have one man and one woman up front available for prayer, so that um, if someone wants prayer that day after the service, they can come up and and get prayer for that. And then we encourage every so every single week. So if you want to know what a, a campus pastor does every every Sunday. Every single week, <clears throat> we promote the Connect card. And on the Connect card, the main focus that we try to get people to fill out the Connect card is not to update the information or, or whatever. It's for prayer because we have a section of the Connect card for prayer. And um, and they drop that Connect card in the offering bucket when it comes by. And then someone in our church takes those Connect cards, types them out in our database. In our, I think it's through Planning Center, I think. Um, and then we get a spreadsheet, usually around Tuesday, of every prayer request from every campus and it's sectioned off for each campus. And then, um, and then every campus pastor prays for their campus. There's also elders that pray over all the prayer requests. And then everybody in the prayer team gets the prayer request for their campus to pray over that for that week. And so there, there, there is a lot of like intentional things going on for prayer, but then my, this is my next question. Um, Jeff met, go ahead. What? Wait, I was waiting for the part where you were going to tell us what you did. With what? I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> dang, dang. You got me. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's similar, Frank. Yeah. I think our churches um, have different, they looked at different, the same models oftentimes sure. these bigger churches do. We have a connect card. I literally, um, in yesterday when I was greeting, welcoming people into the service, I held up the connect card and I talked about pray.com, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> I hijacked what we were going to talk about today. And I said, you know, it's real sad. I was like, this is state of our church that you don't have to use a website. We want to, we want to pray for you. We believe in corporate prayer. So we promote that there every Monday. We have groups for every campus. Um, every Monday, a prayer 
um, prayer needs go out into the group. Our assistants post that. In our church, um, anytime who writes a prayer card, the prayer cards, unless specifically I need to like reach out to them as something like that. We have a group, a ministry in our team, in our church. Um, they come together once a week. And for every prayer card that's written, a handwritten note goes back to them in the mail saying, um, hey, we saw this and we want you to know we prayed for you. And I've done a lot of those. It, it seems to go back, hey, this is a season where we're going to ask all the staff to do it. This is a season where we're going to ask volunteers to do it. But everyone who submits a prayer card at all gets a handwritten note back in the mail. And I've gotten a lot of feedback. Um, and then the last thing we do, this is site-specific for our campus. Our campus is very big on writing prayer cards. Um, and we give them to all the faculty and staff at the local schools. Um, and we, the schools will allow us to put them in the box. And if I go to the school right now, some teachers have two to three of our prayer cards hanging above their desk so they can read them during the day to know that they're not alone. And then the last thing I did this, this past month and anyone can feel free to steal this. This was the best way we've ever engaged the community with prayer. I saw on TikTok, and you know how real real big were those Gen Z kids right now are people running up to the screen saying, hey, let me just pray for you a second. And it's got like 2 million views. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I said, well, how can we do this in life? I think I can speak on behalf of all of the grownups in here and say, no, I have well, no good, idea good. what you're talking well, about. That's like a, that's a thing right now where like you're scrolling and then someone runs up to the camera and prays. I said, I don't want to do that, but there's a reason that these things have four or five million views, you know? So what I did is I just rolled film and I said, Hey, if you're working in the district, I get it. It's hard right now. My wife's a teacher. And do you mind if I just pray over you? And I spent about four minutes praying. And then I had a, girl, a lady at our church. She sent that video. I, I made a private YouTube link. She sent it to every single person on the board, every principal, and every like high-ranking uh, education person in our county, in our whole district. And I'm going to tell you, I got emails back even today. That was two weeks ago. Like my wife, the principal at that school, sent it out to everyone on staff at the school. So like it was a real neat thing because it was like, we don't want anything from you. We just want something for you. And right now that really matters. So like that was something that was kind of a unique one-off thing we did with prayer. I forgot to mention this. And this is like, if you're a multi-staff church, I would encourage you to, to, to figure this out at least once a month, if not more. Every Tuesday at our church, we have our staff meeting where the entire staff of the entire church comes together. And at 8.30, so this is like 30 minutes before work hours start, we gather in our sanctuary for corporate prayer, and we pray as a staff. And and we've they put it out as optional because, you know, not everyone can get there before, 8 30, before 9 o'clock and stuff like that. But, like, of our staff, which I, I think we have, like, 30-plus staff, there's always, like, 20 people there. And and we pray, and we pray out loud. We, we pray for our church, stuff like that, and that's been really cool. But here's the question I have for you. Uh, we talked about the data breach at pray.com. How do you protect people's information in your church? And, and, and like one thing Jeff mentioned was like, like hopefully planning center is not selling the information because they would have so much stuff, right? Like one thing we say, um, every week, at least not every week, but we say often is when we tell people to fill out the connect card, we make a quick sentence by saying, we're not going to sell the information. We're not going to, uh, sell you anything we're not going to enroll you into a, a multi-level marketing thing like 
We just literally want to help you plug into our church. A, do you guys say anything in your church about how you're protecting your information? And then B, is there anything you do specifically to protect people's information, whether they fill out a connect card or something like that? No. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I mean, I've never said anything like that. The only thing that kind of touches on that is, and this is this is kind of like a practical thing when you become the pastor, like when you go to a new church and become the pastor, there are going to be the, the, potentially people who will want to know information about other people, and you'll have to discern how much of that information you can share with other people. So this isn't directly prayer related, but like, you know, if somebody doesn't show up for a couple weeks, there could be people in the church who want to know like, hey, do you know where so-and-so has been? And you have to discern whether or not you can share with that person. Um, and sometimes, you know, there may be things going on that you know about as the pastor. And I, what I say specifically when you're newer at a church, it's hard to know because those two people might be friends and the one of them shared something with you and the other friend expects to know everything. And it's like, you can get yourself into a weird, so you just have to be discerning about knowing what information you can share even between members. And I would say with prayer requests, I would err on the side of don't share. You know, unless, unless, or you can ask, is it okay? You know, sometimes with some of my older folks who are like, I don't understand apps and phones, you know, like this last weekend, the lady that normally makes our coffee for us had some really bad back pain. She's, I think, in her upper 70s or, or 80s. And she wasn't there. And I got a message from her daughter saying, hey, we'd take her to the ER. And so I shared that. Uh, I, I asked that lady after a couple days went by, hey, is it okay if I share this in our prayer app? And I like asked her if it was all right for me to do that. So, you know, you just have to kind of play it by ear and, you know, you have to actually pastor people and care about them individually as people. Yeah. Masking gossip as prayer requests is something we try to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, building our prayer teams. One thing I, I ask a lot of questions is how can we make sure we're not putting anyone in our prayer ministry that's like a gossiper or like, yeah. you know, a busybody or something. Um, hey, real practical stuff, especially in youth ministry where there's like actual forms that people fill out, buy a good shredder. Like if you get yeah. like physical, like if you get, if you still have like a sign up sheet that has people information, like emails and phone numbers, after you like put that in your computer or like a spreadsheet or whatever, like shred that information. Um, yeah. Stuff, people don't think about that. Like, Every all of our connect cards get shredded after they're they're put in our system. So like, yep. I I mean, yeah, recycle it, but like recycle after you shred it because that's like people's addresses, phone numbers, besides email addresses, besides people's um, personal prayer requests. So anyways, hey, there's two things I forgot since you yeah, guys were mentioning me. it. Just because I've got Lakeview Church people that listen to this, I want to make sure they know they get this shout out. Our prayer quilt ministry off the chain. Do not want to forget them. They are a huge part of our prayer ministry. And after each service, our elders and spouses, it is the expectation. And they know that if they attend that service, it is the expectation for them to come forward or make their way to a corner of the room to pray with and for to, people. So those, to be available, those are yeah. two elements. Yep. Two elements of our, our prayer ministry at Lakeview I didn't want to leave out. Let me ask you guys this this quick thing about prayer. Um, is it part of your tradition, like when Tim, when you're having elders pray over people at the end of a service, are you in, do you anoint with oil like at that time, or will we you? Don't we don't at that time? It's not that we haven't ever before. 
It's just that it's not really a big part of of what we do right now. I know Andrew always has his oils on hand. He routinely gets it out in the middle of our podcast to pray over us. So, see, uh, my oil is the Andrew. What you got? This is like it's almost like like uh, it's like a lip balm. Really, it's uh, oil that is no longer drippy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's uh, it says New Hope Anointing Oil with frankincense, myrrh, and balm. Oh. From St. Simon's Isle, Georgia. It's got James 5.14 on it. And, Mine is uh, the oil of gladness. Ooh, also frankincense and myrrh, yes. There you go. Yes. I would say in for my... This is still not something that I'm like, yay, this is something I'm super comfortable with. But there are people in my church that this is what they're used to and what they ask for because of James chapter uh, 5. And so they want to be anointed with oil when they are prayed over. And so... Um, I've got several of these little things around. Yeah, check them out. I think That's they're awesome. relatively cheap. Yeah, yeah, they are. The only time we use oil is when we're frying stuff here. So I don't know. I don't know about any of that. Amen. Um, <laughs> I don't know about amen. But hey, uh, uh, this was a good conversation. Uh, again, the article and stuff like that is going to be in the um, the show notes. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. Hey, so we are wrapping up the show, and again, Practically Pastoring Conference, we are so excited about it. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening, and if you haven't signed up, I'm begging you, sign up, bring a friend, tell a friend about it. As always, share this podcast with a buddy. Uh, if they're in ministry, we want to get, let them know about it. Um, you can. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, you know where to find us. We also have the Facebook group. Go there, the conversation continues there. Hey, we... Love each and every single one of you, and we hope to see you here next week. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. And I'm Timothy Miller. Where's Andrew Larson? What is happening? All right, Andrew Larson's... I don't know. He's, I, the he's, mute button was on. The mute <laughs> button was on. The internet went out, guys. The internet went out. Hey, see you next time. I'm Andrew Larson. <laughs> still, still Andrew Larson. Thanks for listening. My name, my name is Andrew. Connect other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.